Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Crossroads and Merry Christmas. I can say that. The trees are up. It's time. So Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you again for joining us. It's nice and warm in here because we got a chilly couple of days outside. So uh, welcome. My name's Justin. Please join me in prayer. All right, Father, thank you, Lord, so much. Thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing every person here today, Lord. We thank you for this church. We thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord, and uh, just ask for you to help us keep focused, Lord, as we approach Christmas, and uh, let us just um, not forget what this season is about, what this uh, Christmas is about, Lord, the, uh, the gift that we have been given in your son, Jesus. So thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for this message. We thank you for Bill, and we know your hands on this message as he delivers it. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Man, you stole all my thunder. You, you said Merry Christmas. They didn't know. Uh, Merry Christmas, by the way. So I get, thank you uh, for that spontaneous response that I drug out of you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me who might be visitors here, my name is Bill. Uh, this is an incredibly exciting, obviously, season for us as we prepare as a church uh, to go into uh, Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. This is, we celebrate it. Uh, for the last several weeks, for those of you who have been with us, uh, we've, been, we've been giving a series about the fruit of the Spirit, about this gift that God puts in each follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit starts to manifest himself in the lives of, of followers of Christ. And uh, we planned this series, interestingly, uh, probably about nine months ago. When Christmas was on the horizon, we looked at what kind of a series we wanted to have, and we chose this one. And as we chose it, we set it up in a specific order. We started with self-control, for those of you who are here, because we're talking about actually control of, of us and our life only starts when we give Christ control. So it's self-control. Uh, we turn it over to Christ, and, and then he starts to move inside of us to guide us inside of our life. So we started with self-control. We worked our way through the other manifestations of the gifts that are inside of us. Gentleness, kindness, uh, faithfulness. These, we talked about these, but we saved the last three for this season of the year. Because we knew we would be coming into Christmas, and we said, well, let's, if we were going to run into Christmas, what do we want to talk about? So uh, we set aside love, joy, and peace, uh, those fruit that we actually most celebrate at Christmas as followers of Jesus Christ, because they're manifested in us, they're manifested in the church, uh, around the world, uh, celebrating the life of Christ. And so uh, that's where we are today, uh, running into this series uh, I'm excited about this. These three gifts show how God transforms each follower of Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, and he starts to transform us. He builds a, a foundation underneath this. This is a manifestation of us. This is our personality. This is our certainty. This is our security. The other gifts that we talked about the, that are there flow through us to other people. These are gifts that God gave us to manifest himself to the world. That's our witness that these verses talk about. As we go out in the world, we witness uh, and show faithfulness and, and serving other people. We talked about those. Now that's flowing through us out to other people. What we're, what we're talking about now are the foundational, if you will, uh, fruit that define our life. I believe that this is, I, I don't think, there's any pushback on this, that if I 
chose to define my life and what I build my life on. I want to build it on the love of God. The certainty that God loves me enough to send his son to die for me. This certainty that I can live in uh, inside of my life. I also could, I, I would want joy inside of my life. And I would want peace inside of my life. And so these are the gifts of Christmas. These are gifts that God gives every follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, they're given to us to, to unwrap, to come inside of us, and very importantly, to build our lives on. Uh, these, I think, you know, the, we talk about uh, fruitful living for ourselves. This is what says that if I can live with love, joy, and peace inside of my life, the gifts uh, of, of first of, of the love of God. Uh, Lori sang about it in that song. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? This is love beyond any measure, any understanding that, that God himself in Jesus Christ would come and die for my sins and yours. Uh, and there's nothing that can separate us from that, from that, that love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, things of the past. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, and there's, I believe there's times in all of our lives when that certainty is the most important thing we get a hold of. No matter mistakes we've made, no matter what's happened inside of our life, the love of God is the certainty that we can have inside of our lives to know that uh, we may be rejected of the world, seem foolish in the eyes of the world, but we're loved by God. The next one, we, we look at these things. Jesus is uh, Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's talking to us. He, he, he came. He chose disciples, just as he's chosen many of them here, uh, people who follow Christ. He chooses us. He teaches us. He speaks to us. He gives his life as an example. And he said, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Today we're talking about joy. Just a comment before we go to the next one. We're not talking about happiness. Happiness is something that comes and goes. Please. Uh, the, the pressures of the world can choke it out. We won't, we won't see it in our lives, and sometimes our emotions are absolutely the opposite of joy. But if we stop, and we'll talk about that today, back and, and, and understand our relationship with Christ and what, what God is doing in our life, we can have joy even in trials and tribulations. Joy, peace. Jesus says he brings us peace. But he doesn't give us this peace. It's just like, it, this like joy is not happiness. This peace that he gives is not as the world gives. The world can be going to smuckaroonies. That's a Greek word for junk, just for those of you who are not well-schooled in biblical terms. Uh, when things can be going bad, there can be peace. And, and oh, by the way, we need love, joy, and peace at this particular time uh, the decay of our culture, the divisions, the anger, the strife, uh, the pending pandemics, uh, continuing pandemics of COVID, pandemics of economic uh, problems, the pandemic of government uh, mismanagement, division, and failure are all around us. We, we don't have to look at that real hard, but inside, we can have peace in this. Not because that's okay. No, not at all because that's okay, because that's not okay. But I can have peace because God rules and reigns. 
you can have peace because God rules and reigns. It's not as the world gives. It, it, when the world gives peace, it, it, it comes inside of us and, and, and we medicate away the worries. We uh, ignore, we deny, we, we, we draw with inside of ourselves. We become fortress, in my case, fortress bill. Look, the world's on its own. But that's these fruit that are promised to us, love, joy, and peace. These are the things that we can be certain of inside of our lives. And this is what we're talking about as we go into, into the Christmas season. Last week, for those of you who were here, we talked about God's love. We talked about how God so loves us, it can't change. But also, we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength because he so loved us. And we, uh, we love the law. We, we know how to love. We want to make that possible. It's made possible by these gifts given to us by Christ. Uh, Christ came to the world, and what we're celebrating here in, in, in just a few days is his entry to the world. Uh, the world, by the way, this isn't a religion uh, made up out of anything. These are historical events. Christ's birth on this earth was physical. It was real. It happened in our time, our space. We have historians. We have eyewitnesses. We have people who heard his teachings, to saw his life, saw his death, and saw his resurrection. Christ is historical. This is, there's proof. And, and, and not only that, the, our whole calendar system is divided by when God sent Christ at the appropriate time to divide the history of this world. He came, there's a, there's a, there's a B.C. There's a before Christ. There's, there's an A.D., which doesn't mean after death. It means after the year of the Lord. So what we have is a point in time when everything changed. Christ came and made manifest the promises and carried out the promises of the Old Testament. B.C., A.D. And each follower of Christ here has a B.C. I do. I was, I was had a B.C. period up till I was 33, before Christ, when I came to know him. I have a, a, a new date, too, because my A.D. is Christ was born. Probably I'm ADD too, but we're just going to go to a whole different topic here. Uh, but uh, I, have an, I, I have a death time in my life when, when Christ was not only born into the world, but he personally was born into the manger of my heart. And every follower of Christ has had that experience. We've seen the transition from before Christ to him being living inside of us, transforming our lives. This is what we're preparing for uh, as we talk about Christmas that's ahead of us today. Uh, Jesus came as that perfect sacrifice to remove those sins. Each of us can avail ourselves of that. Last week was love. This week is joy. Uh, now, here's, here's joy. Uh, this, this is spoken to us uh, by the, the Apostle Peter, uh, a rough, gruff fisherman, uh, uh, leader of the pack, if you will, uh, back in the day. And, and he tells us in, in 2021, 20, even though you haven't seen him, none of us have seen Christ alive as Peter did in the early disciples, but he's also telling us to the Christians throughout the world at that time when he wrote his letter, he says, uh, even though you've not seen him, you love him. Uh, though you don't see him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy. Listen to the joy he, that's, that's inexpressible, filled with glory. 
there's a joy, there's a certainty uh, that, that's so far beyond happiness it doesn't even come on the scale. There's a joy and a certainty that we're so loved by God that he sends his son to die for us. That, you know, there's times in, in my life when I haven't felt uh, special or, or unique or anything else. Just a guy going down the road working as hard as I can to get from point A to point B. But in Christ, there's a joy knowing that I'm in the palm of his hands. That he's controlling, guiding, and leaning. This is the joy uh, that is inexpressible, and, it's, and it is filled with glory. Living our lives in Christ with him through us, uh, no matter what the circumstances is. Now, that's where we get into a problem. There's a problem with joy. And, and I, I probably, my English is probably atrocious in this, and someone could correct me. Uh, we're, we're living, we want to be living in supernatural joy in a world that in truth kills joy. We live in a killjoy world. Everything that happens around us, if we, if we're, if, which I hope we don't do too much of, if we bury ourselves in the news, it kills our joy. It, if we look at the things that are happening, everything, the decay and everything else that are happening in the physical world around us, no matter what area that is, lives, relationships, economics, uh, everything that's taking place, it kills our joy. Because life just continues to come at it. But we're told inside of the chaos, inside of the world that we live in today, that we should consider it, it, all joy, my brothers. What's the it? Oh, the it is when you meet trials of various kinds. That you know, you know so when we see the news, when we see the things that are happening in our, our world today, we can have joy. My Sunday school class, which uh, moves at a rapid pace through such, so many topics every day, actually we drag, we got, we got a squirrel. If you ever want to find squirrels running around inside the church, come to my Sunday school class. Uh, it, we're on trails that you won't even believe. Uh, but today we were talking about Christ's return into the chaos, into the confusion, into the pain and suffering that's all around us. We're talking about him coming back. So in all this chaos, when we meet trials of various kinds, it's testing our faith, but it produces. Now, now look at this. Look at this, what we're talking about here. He says, when we have trials, when we have pain, when we have bad diagnosis, when we have relationship issues inside of our life, when we have all of the things that are common to all of us, we can have joy. Not because of that. It's masochistic to turn around and say, oh boy, I'm so glad uh, that I had to cut my nose off today or whatever it may be. That's Whatever your ailment, we don't sit back and say, or relational or emotional trumps. Oh, I'm so glad I got that. That's so fun. I'm going to wallow in that as long as I can. No, we look at the result of it. The joy's not in the pain, trials, tribulation that we're in. It's in what it does in our life if we allow Christ to work. If we allow Christ to work inside of our lives, then it tells us that when we meet trials of kinds, we can know that when our faith is tested, it'll produce steadfastness. Another word for endurance. Uh, we continue to go on. Let's let endurance have its full effect that we can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, 
an honest confession from myself, and I think most people that are honest, by the way, uh, is that I'm not a quick student. God has normally, in, in my past and even present, uh, even though I've got this, the, the, the flashlight of the scripture, it takes pain to get my attention. It takes pain to teach me something. Uh, I'm, I'm a stubborn Marine that has not been retrained to world standards. So it, it takes pain. And so it takes trials. It takes tribulation. And, and this verse, uh, again, James, the same author, talks about this, and he gives us an example to look at. And it's an example we're encouraged to look at because in the Old Testament, we see saints of God, prophets, teachers, judges, kings that love God. But we see him being killed. We see him being tortured. We see, uh, we see Isaiah being cut in half with the saw. We see uh, Jeremiah being stoned to death. We see these things happening to these fathers of faith in the Old Testament. It was part of what was there. So the author, James, points not only to us, but he points back for examples for us to follow. Uh, that's what takes place. You know, uh, one of these things that takes place, things hit. You know, trials take place. When trials of various kinds are, are handled correctly, they transform in changes. Now, interestingly, as we do this, this is not human nature. This is not something we would naturally do inside of ourselves. We don't say, oh, well, this is great. No, because our human nature wants to avoid it. We want to deny it. We want to get around it. We want to medicate it and punch out the lights of whatever's coming at us, uh, over-medicate in many cases, uh, whether, it, whether it's eating or drugs or alcohol. or what, we, we do that or inundate ourselves with amusement which means no thinking. We just bury ourselves in busyness. Some people bury it in work. Uh, we try and, because a natural man doesn't, doesn't rejoice in trials. So what do we do? We count it all joy. Now, in starting what, what, he, what we're told to do in this thing, uh, I, I was getting ready for this, and I'm going to give a wimpy example of suffering, okay, because I'm a wimp. And I couldn't stand any more than what happened. This, this week was an, it was an example. Whenever I get to do a message on something, obviously, uh, I'm striving to serve God diligently. And so he gives me an example. And normally it's not a pretty example, and I don't respond well to it. But let's talk about this example. Um, started at the beginning of the week. Sore throat came. I started to cough. It was not a dry cough. No, it's not COVID. You don't have to back up. You're in the spit zone. You're safe. Uh, as we do this. Uh, so Monday was bad. Tuesday, by the end of the day, I was Kermit the Frog. And uh, throat was sore. Uh, I, I came inside and uh, stopped working probably early, around 3 o'clock, 3.30, and, and came in and sat down and working outside in my garden. Uh, but I started a period of 24, 36 hours of just shivering and shaking. I didn't have a fever. But I was just shivering and shaking. I couldn't get warm. We heat with a wood-burning stove. We've stacked wood up, and we got the room up to over 80 degrees. And, and during that night, I had pulled my, I have a quilty poo. If you ever come to my house, I'll show you my quilty poo. I'm quite, I'm quite proud of it. It's a good, thick, dunk quilt, so I pull it up. I sleep in my chair a lot at night, so I was out there. Put this thing over my little bald head to keep it warm, because it's under threat at all times. <laughs> 
And so uh, my big quilty poo over my head, I'm, I'm bundled up, I've got extra clothes on, and I'm still shivering. And, and go through the whole night that way. I was not a happy guy uh, as that took place. I started to think about the message. Thanks, God. What a great example. Because here I am wimping out uh, because I have a momentary, temporary adjustment inside of my life. There was, there was, a, there was a shift. There was, it didn't take it in an instant, but it took a process. As I started uh, to remember what's said in these verses, what James said, uh, suffering is common to all of us. And so, uh, I, of course, obviously I got well. I had to cancel a, a class we had and everything else. But now I'm totally well and obnoxious. Aren't you glad? <laughs> But a little smarter, not a lot smarter, but a little smarter. And I'm reminded that the sovereign God rules over all. Not a sparrow falls to the ground, not a fever comes, not a chill is given, not a bad diagnosis, not a tumor has arrived, unless Christ ordains it. And so uh, today, as, as I was getting ready for this, uh, it, it started actually that night. I remembered who wrote the letter of James. Cleverly, they named it James, because that's who wrote it. He's the half-brother of Jesus. He became the leader of the church. Uh, what did he know about trials? Well, first off, with growing up with a perfect brother, uh, you had a challenge inside of your home as you grew up. But then he came, he, for a while he didn't accept Christ, and he did accept, knew exactly who he was, saw him, uh, heard his teachings, saw him do miracles, saw, him, saw his brother, an innocent man, die on a cross tortured, beaten. He saw all this. And, and he was part of the persecuted group that was hiding and waiting for the, the knock on the door that was going to take him away. How did, what ended up in his life, this, this one that so casually talks about taking the trials of life on? Well, James became the leader of the church. The Jewish leaders at that time, just as they'd killed Jesus, saw the damage that, that James and his testimony of seeing Christ alive was doing. So what did they do? They took him, they took him to the top of the temple and a hundred feet above solid marble, big blocks of it, they pushed him off a hundred feet. That was, his, that was his trial, but it wasn't over. That didn't kill him. They rushed to him, he was still alive. And he... And, and so they beat him to death right there on the ground. James can talk about trials and tribulations. He, he documented them inside of his life. You know, another example was the Apostle Paul. Uh, now, here's someone who's familiar with trials and tribulations inside of his life. I wrote just a, a few of them down, uh, things that had happened to him in his life. Countless Beatings, just general beatings. Five times he received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one, 39 lashings. That's when they, they were able to whip your back. This is what Jesus suffered. Uh, typically it bears the back, opens it up. Uh, Jesus, when they did that to him, he was almost at the point of death because of losing blood. Uh, he had that five times. Uh, three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned in the biblical context, guys, not drugs. Uh, and he actually died. 
And so, but he, he came back to life. Well, did that stop him? No, he's shipwrecked three times, night, day, frequent journeys, dangers everywhere. The Apostle Paul was familiar with trials and tribulations, overcame them. Can you imagine his back with all that taking place? Uh, but he points to a way of, of putting our trials and tribulations in the right place. In, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, he tells us what to do. He, he says, therefore, speaking to us as Christians, therefore, since we have, we have surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's talking about two groups of people, the Old Testament saints from Romans, or excuse me, from Hebrews 11 right before this, and he tells us as, as followers, also, lay aside every weight and the sin which sins, you know, hangs, clings so closely to us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Why? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We run our race fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Listen to this. Here's joy. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Why did Jesus endure the cross? So that you and I could go to heaven. So that you and I could be forgiven. So that you and I could live a life of meaning, meaningfulness here on this earth. We can have a purpose because Christ died for us. But did he look at it going, oh man, I knew this was coming. This is the worst thing. Oh, oh. No, once he heard God's voice that there was, this is it. There's no other way. And he knew that. But he suffers the cross in joy. That is amazing. Uh, in joy. And he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this is one of the most challenging verses to me as a follower of Christ. As we focus our eyes on him and what happened to him, consider him who endured uh, from sinners such hostility against himself. And here we are, we're encouraged, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. Whoops. For you have not yet resisted to the shedding of blood yet. He says, okay, you endure. Uh, watch Christ, but look at what's happening to us, our, our trials, our tribulations, everything that takes place in there. He says, we have not suffered to the point of shedding of blood. Uh, by the way, this cloud of witnesses, look around the world. We, we live in Disneyland. As far as Christianity is concerned and persecution, oh, we can, we can beat our persecution drums. We have no idea. Uh, in the world today, 99% uh, of the Christians are under real persecution. Uh, 70 million of them uh, in China are, are, are being there in their house churches, are being killed, they're being put in prison, uh, they're being tortured, their families are being, their, their Bibles are being burned, everything. This is Christians under persecution. Look at the Muslim countries, uh, uh, you know, Iran being the classic example, persecuting Christians, but it's true. Look at Nigeria, where they break into a Christian compound in a school, and, and they, they kill, it's just uh, kill hundreds, and then they capture the young kids, and they take the girls as sex slaves, and they take the young boys and turn them into soldiers. We live in this thing as we look around the world. This persecution of Christians, it's going to come here because it's going to come to the whole world. We're going to get to join our brothers and sisters 
that have been there. But Jesus said that's going to happen. Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount as he started his ministry, he, he talked about this. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when you are reviled and they persecute you with all kinds of evil against you, falsely on your account. Rejoice. That word, by the way, that's the same word, kara, for joy. In other words, have joy. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. Rejoice in these things. Jesus tells us to do that. The question of this is how do we do that? Simple things to remember. I think simple. Uh, simple. They're simple to hear. They're simple to understand. But to me, they are absolutely challenging to put into practice. When, when, when trials and everything come, it takes a while for me to shake my head, get up after being hit, and, and go forward trusting Christ. First way to do that is see the world through God's eyes. Have God's worldview on what's taking place in the world, what's taking place in, in our lives. And, 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 and there, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So the, the verses before this, coming out of uh, verses, uh, chapter 11 of the book of Romans, which should be connected, it talks about God being forgiving all sinners, We've all fallen short, and, and yet he loves us, yet Christ comes to die for us. And he says his ways, his plan that we're going to talk about today is unknowable and inscrutable. I love those words. It so helps me when I say, I'm going to, oh, I understand God. Oh, no, he's inscrutable, and you can't understand him. It's a terrible thing to admit. He's a little smarter than I am. He's got a little more control than I do. He's got a better plan than I do. So this, as we do that, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the way that the world handles things. Don't see the world through the world's view. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by testing, you can discern what the will of God is. You see, in all the trials and everything else, this is, uh, this is one of my favorite expressions. And if you could grab something out of this, uh, grab this. The will of God for us is good, acceptable, and perfect. When I was memorizing this verse, I, I, I used the expression gap. Good, acceptable, and perfect. Grab that. Because there's things that happen, like my incident, my minor incident this week, when I have to remember that even when I'm going through those, God's will for me is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I, I may not like it. I may, I may not ever understand why, what, when, how. But I know that God is working behind the scenes and all of the free will choices are, I make. He's either ordaining or he's allowing the pain and trials to come into our life. And the working out of it in the long term is good, acceptable, and perfect. That is the promise that's given to us. This is God's promise from the moment of creation through the garden to the flood to the Tower of Babel to prophets, judges, kings, and to this very moment, 
God's will for this country and each person sitting here or every person that, that knows Christ or that has ever lived, God's got a will for us and a plan for us if we will follow him and become living sacrifices that is good, acceptable, and perfect inside of our lives. At this very moment, you know, the, the Holy Spirit moves and tells us the world how it is. What's the truth? You know, that's, that's a bold promise. God knows our victories. He knows our failures. He knows everything that's there. And he's experimenting and working inside of our lives to transform us, to change our minds to the way we think. And how do we know God's will? Do I have to say it? God gives us his worldview. Uh, we carry it around. We memorize it. We have it on our phones. We have it everywhere. The Bible gives us God's will. God gives us his view of the world. He gives us his view of us. He gives us his view of, of our hearts, of our victories, of our failures, of our sins. The Bible tells us how God sees the world. And he encourages us to follow that truth, to follow it inside of our lives, to conform our lives to it. Because as we do that, Scripture, the Bible, God breathed, it's for training for righteousness so that you and I would be adequately equipped for every good work. And that includes how we handle trials and tribulations, how we can have joy in trials and tribulations. He tells us how we're able to do that. He does it, and again, this train that sits in the background, for those of you who've been here for a while, it, it's a real representation of how Christians are to build their lives. Christianity is not an emotional trip in, into Never Never Land. We don't jump down the rabbit hole and go places where we can't understand. It's rational, it's reasonable, it's historical, it's provable, it's based on facts. The facts drive the relationship with God. We look at the facts of life and we have faith in those. We, faith means that you commit yourself to them. You do them. If you don't follow what's there, uh, the facts, then, it, then you don't have faith in them. Faith means you follow them because that's the next step. And then ultimately, you have a feeling. Is it a teehee feeling? No. Well, it can be. But it can be a certainty of love, joy, and peace in our life. It's the certainty that we build our lives on. Because God's word is free from error. It's incapable to any change. And it's breathed by God. They're the facts that are there. Uh, uh, just quickly, I'm going to give you, there's a, we have a brochure in the back which shows the train. You, you can't believe how we build our lives on a train, a card, a, a toy. Uh, but this, the card's in the back. But if you open it up, it gives you the facts of life. What are the facts of life that we can build our life on? There is an all-powerful, sovereign, holy God who loves you and me. And it was working in and through our lives. And it just goes on. He's all-powerful. He's a personal being. He's also holy. He's sovereign, which means he rules and reigns over everything. Not a sparrow, not a trial, not a tribulation comes to us that he doesn't either ordain or allow. The Bible is the absolute word. Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I have been adopted into God's family. Uh, God has given me every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Got it? The facts. It, I, we put the cards out in the back. I encourage you to pick one up. 
and, and take it with you. It's kind of fun to sit on a desk or to, to put somewhere to, uh, just to remind you. And then once in a while, when, when smuckaroonies, that Greek word again, hits you, uh, open it up and read the facts. Be reminded of what's true in the situation. These are the facts of life. We build a Christian worldview on these facts. This is what keeps us from being conformed to the world. This is what allows us to be transformed. Because the huge point is that the world's worldview is that the world is all there is. Not a Christian worldview. The world's going to go away. And, and, and um, it's going to disappear. He's, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We can run around and, and beat the climate drums, and yes, we should be good stewards and all of that other things. We should do those things. But this isn't our home. We are not of this earth. You see the bumper, the sticker in a bunch of cars. N-O-T-W. Not of this world. Don't be conformed. The Christian worldview is that God rules over everything. And when we look at life, there's a couple of verses. It, it says, first off, uh, we've been raised as a Christian. We've been raised with Christ. I have an address here on this earth. I have that. But I have a real address where I find residency not only now, but permanently. When things are going on here, uh, God tells us that I and you, if you're, if you're a follower of Christ and you're here today and you follow Christ, uh, you have been raised up with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not here. Don't, again, we're so, we're, if we're earth, we're dwelling on the earth, but we shouldn't be earth dwellers. Yes, we do our lives down here the best we can to honor God. But our real home is, we're seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Good to know. With full curl, let Christ be honored in my life, whether by life or death. This is the Apostle Paul telling us, yes, we're all going to die. That's not an issue. It's 100% death rate. It's what we do here. He says, to die is better. You know, I, my wife and I have an agreement. It's ladies first. <laughs> it's my desire and it's my honor to be with my wife. It'd be great if we go together. We're driving on 395. Maybe that prophecy. But uh, <laughs> could take place. But here's the deal. Uh, my life is okay here, but death's better, but if I stay here, this is what the Apostle Paul said, this is for each of us, we have purpose and a plan, he has a purpose and a plan for us. Our life is to make an eternal difference here on this earth with the short and fleeting years that we have for all eternity. What we do here can affect eternity for other people. So he says he wants to stay so he can serve other people, and that should be our things, but, but if, if we're called to leave, leave. James, Peter, Paul, Jesus' worldview is we're here to serve. Please serve as we do that. You know, now the other side of this equation that we had on, on there's a secular worldview. 
that we also need to be aware of because we live in a secular culture, a, a secular world at this particular time. A secular worldview doesn't interpret it with, through the Bible, interprets it solely on the principles taken from the natural world. No supernatural. Now, sadly, we have allowed our country to let that be the worldview of our country. The secular education system stomps out God. We ban God from government, from schools, from public discussions. We cancel them if they're, they're too uh, God-oriented in these things. Uh, we get our worldview from that secular uh, school system. We get it from our parents. We get a friend's companion. Today, sadly, too many people get their worldview from social media. News, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, uh, music, movies, and always uh, the, the blessed talking heads uh, that come at us. You know, we have a pantheon of role models, of many gods that we're encouraged to worship and to follow that advocate alternate lifestyles and behaviors and role models, uh, some of them being Bart Simpson, the number one role model for young boys in our country. Let's think about that for a while. Ellen, Oprah, Dr. Phil, Dr. Fadsy, all these are little mini-gods that so many people worship. They don't know them. They don't know what their foundation is. They don't know their relationship with God because there isn't one. And yet we follow them and hang on every word they say. There's something wrong with this picture. The truth is that the gospel has been hidden inside of our culture. You know, the, what they come up to say, there's, they're, the gospel's veiled. It's hidden. The good news of Christ is hidden in our culture today. Because the God of this world is controlling this world. If you want the truth, you have to dig. And, and, and in doing so, you dig into the word, you live it inside of your life. And this last thing is, if you want wisdom, if you want God's worldview, if you want that, we said, look in the Bible, ask God. He will give you generously all the wisdom you need. This is, by the way, following right after the verse, you consider it all joy. Jesus, through James, tells us where to get it. But if you're going to ask, ask with faith, remember faith in the facts, and with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven back and forth. Let that person, if you've got one foot in the world and one foot in Christ, and you can't make up a decision, you're being blown about left and right by every wind of doctrine. Research the Bible. Research the truth. Research the facts. And make a decision to let them guide and lead your life. That's the hope that we have for joy in this world. You know, again, we come back to the, the promises that we can build our lives on. Love, joy, and peace. These are the promises of Christmas. And they're promises year-round, day in, day out, century after century. They've been true for those who will follow. We choose this. This Christmas, these are the, these are the gifts of Christmas that are being offered to us. You know, if we can... We can help in that process. Please let us know. Let's join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your incredible love that you poured out on the cross through Jesus Christ. We thank you that, that he came to die for my sins, to cover my failures. 
Lord, we, we talk about Jesus on the cross, but it, it was for the world, but it was one person at a time. He died for me. He died for each person here. Whether we accept him or not, he died for the sins. He died for them individually, personally, uh, that we might be free of sin if we choose to follow him. If we reject him, he still loves us, still died for us. Our decision keeps us from him. So, Lord, we thank you for that kind of love. We thank you for the joy that we can have even in the trials of this world. And, Lord, as we look forward to, to hearing about your peace that surpasses all understanding, uh, we thank you that we can build our lives on these as, as we stand in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, as we close, just a couple of things to remember. Uh, if we can help you in any way, let us know. Uh, Last week, when we talked about love, I encouraged a book uh, called The Radical Cross. Uh, they all disappeared, by the way. Uh, so we bought more. Thank you, Amazon, for sending Jesus here uh, quickly. And so we have some more in the back. If you want to pick one up, it's life-changing. If you're going to read it, if, if it's going to be a dust collector, I'll let someone else have it. Uh, but if you read it or if you have questions about Christianity, please let me know. The card is also in the back with the facts of life. Uh, a couple other things. If you need prayer, please let us do that. Uh, think of something. We do Christmas Eve service for a specific reason. And it's not that we can eat the cookies that people bring. We do it to honor God. But there's something beyond that why we do it. We do it because... 50% of the people that you ask that don't go to church, that don't know Jesus, will come to a Christmas Eve service if they are personally invited. This is the great, one of the greatest opportunities that we have to present Christianity to your neighbors, to your friends, to those people that you love. You know, promise them you know, that the guy that speaks is full of head of hair and has really got it going on. No, I don't lie. But uh, just invite them. Tell them if you're not doing anything, join us. Uh, join us for that because that's, that's the great outreach that we have. Thanks for being here. There's coffee and, and donuts in the back. Thanks for being here. Bye.